It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.07 on a Saturday morning, 32.1 degrees outside, right at the freezing mark. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful in whatever way you define success. Here to give you excuses for why you don't have to garden today. All you have to do is call 404-872-0750. In just a minute, Jay Indicator wants to talk about the Cub Scout project they're doing about what kind of plants to use in a certain place. Richard in Kennesaw has strawberry plants and wants to know how to get those to produce more strawberries like they're supposed to. And Miguel in Houston says his Bermuda grass. Well, we're going to get rid of that right now. Hey, Miguel, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Well, um, we moved into our house a couple years ago and had this beautiful fescue lawn in the front, in the backyard, yeah. Bermuda in the front yard. And um, I got a used lawnmower, riding lawnmower, and thought that would be easier to cut it. And I cut it a couple of times, and the fescue didn't seem to do very well. Hmm. And the next year, that being this year, we started seeing a lot of Bermuda move into our fescue lawn, and it's really not that pretty anymore. <laughs> um, and I talked to a fertilizer guy, um, and he said to put food coloring and Roundup and just spray it on there and try to kill it off. And that mm. just seems crazy to me and <laughs> um, made me really nervous that I was going to kill my fescue lawn, too. <laughs> well, yeah. If, if you <laughs> contact the fescue with the Roundup, the fescue is green right now, and it's perfectly capable of absorbing Roundup, and it'll be dead. And you'll have some, some dead Bermuda, but so many people have told me that one application of Roundup to Bermuda does not kill Bermuda completely, and so you're okay. not even going to get relief from the Bermuda you're trying to kill if you spray, spray Roundup on it now. And okay. I guess one question I have, Miguel, is why not let Bermuda grow in the backyard? Why not just transform from fescue into Bermuda, since it seems to be happy there anyway? Um, I mean, that's my initial thought, but, um, I mean, we like seeing that nice green grass yeah, in the wintertime. All year long, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, um, hmm. Is it full sun back in the back, or partial For the sun? most part, yeah. You're always going to struggle a little bit. You've been in the house for how long now, Miguel? Uh, two and a half years. And you've had no trouble with the fescue growing during the summer when it's dry? You didn't have any problem with that this past um, year? I mean, it gets a little bit. Uh, on, um, I just water the fool out of it. Uh huh. Well, 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 well. You're fighting a fight that you nature is fighting against you pretty hard. So you have a real sunny place. Fescue is going to suffer in the summertime when it's hot and dry. Bermuda, mm -hmm. on the other hand, is saying, hey, I like this area in Miguel's backyard. I would rather grow back here than anywhere else. And so the Bermuda is always going to be a problem. And they're, I mean, there's almost no way to get rid of Bermuda other than just spraying the whole yard waiting a couple of weeks and then spraying again to get any Bermuda that was left over. And that's a pain in the rear to have a yard yeah. of dead grass for three or four weeks. So the Roundup and the food coloring, I don't know where the guy was coming from, but that is not what you want to do. So 
you know, honestly, Miguel, my opinion is you ought to put Bermuda back there. But you know, okay. if you want to, if you want to try, one thing you could do, even if you have Bermuda, is overseeding the Bermuda with annual ryegrass during the fall, and the ryegrass then springs up and stays green during the winter time. So you do have green all year long by doing that. It's a little. A little not complicated exactly, but you have to know a little bit about killing the ryegrass in the spring, mowing it low, and all that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit of management involved in doing this overseeding of ryegrass. But it's possible you could have green all year long, even with Bermuda in the backyard. That was my other question: Is there a, a, a different type of fescue or, or grass that we could put back there that's going to be um, that we could oversee. So you say rye would be the best yeah. thing to do then? Right. Okay. Annual ryegrass can be overseeded into Bermuda grass. And I would not do that to any other grass, even into zoysia or centipede or anything else. And the rye overseed stuff really only seems to work okay with Bermuda grass. Again, cautions. If you want some details on that, go to my website and just type in the word overseed rye or something in the search line. So can I put the rye in with the fescue? Uh, yeah, yeah, you could, sure. Okay. All right, well, thank you very much. All right, Miguel, good luck with it all. Thank you. Don't fight against Mother Nature, though. That Mother Nature always bats last, as my friend Teresa Shrum used to say. Mother Nature is eventually going to succeed in doing what Mother Nature wants to do. And it looks to me like Mother Nature wants to grow Bermuda in Miguel's backyard. Richard is in Kennesaw and joins us. Hey, Richard, good morning. Good morning. How are you, Walter? Good morning. I'm fine. How can I help? Well, last spring I took on the job of uh, putting a strawberry patch in, if yeah. you will. Yeah. Went to Pike's class, amended the soil, uh, put a little drip irrigation system in. The plants did very well, but I got very little fruit. Huh. Um, and didn't know if there was something. I, I fertilized initially when I planted the, the plants, but probably didn't do much after that. Okay. I can't remember. I think it's, I don't know, it's determinate or indeterminate. It's the ones that's supposed to bear fruit kind of all summer long. Yeah, good. Um, and I don't, um, I don't I don't have enough sun. I get, it's on the side of the house, so it's, uh, mm-hmm. I get full sun probably about somewhere between 12 and 1 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay. And then for all, so it's all hot, the heat, heat of the day sun. Um, right next to it, I have tomato plants. They do pretty well, so... I'm not sure, you know, what's going on. If your tomatoes are doing pretty well, that tells me you are getting enough sunshine for strawberries to grow. Um, Hmm, fertilizing might be of use in here somewhere, and it's about time to think about fertilizing strawberries anyway because they grow nicely in cool weather. They don't mind having a little bit of cold weather on them. So it, I think it's worth an occasional, like a weekly inspection of the strawberries. When you see little bitty daughter plants, you'll see these little bitty sprouts coming out from the mother plants you planted last year. And when you see the little daughter plants, that would be a time to trigger the fertilization so that it gets more good leaf-enriching nitrogen in the ground. And hopefully that will give the enough sort of leaf surface area, gives you enough... Uh, uh, energy to bloom, and the blooms, of course, lead to strawberries. So I guess that's all I'm going to tell you to do is watch for the trigger for fertilization and do that and, and keep the birds off somehow. That's your problem. Well, I do. I have off. a net. Oh, good. I built a PVC cage with a yeah. net on it. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, good. So I did that because uh, I just didn't want to lay the net right on the plant. So I could be sitting there kind of move. I can lift them off, good. And off the plants if I need to. All right. now, I did have uh, quite a challenge with some uh, chipmunks 
um, eating my my tomatoes, and I'm yeah. sure they were cooking for the strawberries. But I kind of captured and relocated about yeah. from last uh, year. So. That's what I would do too. But, and I'll be back, I'm sure. But. All right. Well, then, good luck with the strawberries. Sounds like fertilizer is about all I can recommend. Okay. Thanks all right. Very much. You bet. Thanks for calling. Okay. Bye bye. Let's see. Jay, 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 Jay. Jay is coming to us from uh, Decatur, and Jay has a question about his... What is this Cub Scout project, Jay? Yes, sir. Cub Scout project in North Decatur. Yeah. So anyhow, what we're doing is uh, we're going to do an experiment to test... Uh, it's, it's all about fertilizer this morning, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, test the effects of uh, fertilizer on plant growth. Okay. And what we're, uh, my question for you is, you know, what kind of a plant would be best to use for that to to perform that test so they would actually see some decent results in a you know good amount a short amount of time so a question i have to you not on this subject at all but are you doing the pinewood derby right now i will be doing it this morning yes sir <laughs> my neighbor adonius he's a member of the cub scout group at uh, oak grove methodist in north decatur and so he's been yes, at the sir. house we are as well a couple of weeks and uh, adonius and his mom and dad have been in my basement all sanding it and getting it sawed out just perfectly to make his uh his little pinewood derby car so looking forward to seeing who wins in the in the derby race this afternoon so yes, when you sir, say you're, we'll see you're down there when we when you try to do testing fertilization i mean testing nitrogen or tell me more about what your experiment looks like you know it's a very generic at this time you know open open for discussion certainly so what is the discussion give me more guidance here <clears throat> well i mean basically you know it's a it's a science experiment yeah you know, and you know it's the generic aspect is just test fertilizer on the fact of plant growth. Yeah. Right. So what type of fertilizer, you know, that maybe that can be part of the dependent variable. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, is it, you know, use this much fertilizer, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, you know, kind of thing versus no fertilizer. Yeah. You know, that's something we can certainly, you know, figure out. I was just going to use like some 10, 10, 10 or something like that, that I have laying around the house. Yeah. You know, I don't, or, you know, even, you know, something like some miracle Grow. Cub Scouts, I would go miracle Grow because 10 10, okay. 10 is so much likely to burn the plant. As mm -hmm. far as plants themselves go, um, get some radish seeds. They're the easiest to grow. They're fast, and you can see immediately whether there's any effect of the fertilizer on them. And the experiment that I would maybe suggest is seeing if fertilizer aids in the germination of the radish seeds. So put you know, 10 radish seed in a cup with some potting soil and fertilize one cup with no fertilizer, one cup with a little bit of fertilizer, and, you know, you measure it out according to the label and determine how much of each uh, each kind of fer each, uh, fertilizer amount you would do, a quarter teaspoon per gallon, half a teaspoon per gallon, et cetera, et cetera, and just determine what is the effect of fertilizer on germination of the radish seeds. And then maybe take some that you had germinated with a determined amount of fertilizer and see what's the effect of fertilizer ongoing five weeks from now what does it look like ten weeks from now how long are the leaves and do a little bit of experimentation that way seems like might be useful and again for cub scouts you don't need to get complicated we're just trying to get them to understand the effect of fertilizer on plants one particular aspect of the plant is germination so we'll see if the fertilizer does that. Good luck with your Pinewood Derby car. We'll see you soon, Jay. Thanks for calling. It's 718. We'll be back after this. 
This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the high goes up to the very, very low 50s, high 40s, perhaps 49 degrees. Tomorrow, the high up to 50 degrees. Overnight, the lows in the low 30s, so around freezing time. And today, it's 32.3 degrees right now. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Tim joins us. Hey, Tim. Morning. And so I didn't get the question, Tim. Say it again. Good morning. Yay, Tim. What's up? Uh, I have a big bush. It's over 10 years old, and it's uh, probably about 12 to 15 foot tall, real spindly. Down yeah. at the base is probably about three or four inches, but the, the branches going up are, you know, inch, inch and a quarter diameter. Okay. And, uh when it puts on the figs, they're at the top and hard to get to. And <laughs> I want to bring it back down, but I didn't know how far to cut it or when to cut it. You can do it now. You can do it now. Um, oh. The the deal with figs and with most fruit plants is that the fruit is going to be born on the horizontal branches. It has to do with how hormones are trans, transformed or transmitted back and forth on a branch. And it's just easier for a hormone to go when the branches is laying level than it does for trying to climb up a tall, straight part of the of the mm-hmm. plant. So with a fig, um, it would not hurt my feelings at all to cut everything that's above six, seven, maybe feet down. Just take it away. Okay. I'm hopeful you're going to have still some horizontal branches left if you do cut down that much, right? Uh, I think there's a few. Um, uh, not a whole lot, but there, there will be a few. And again, it, even it, it's kind of a rebuilding year because I, yeah. I know it needs to get reshaped. It's been pruned for a lot of years. So, If you do get figs, I think that's great. You probably will get figs, I even I even think, with this pruning. But, you know, when are you going to do it? I think right now is a fine time to do it. Just try to emphasize more horizontal limbs. That's what you want on a fig. And if you can do that, then one day, one day real soon, you may go out there and say, man, look at the figs on this bush. We are doing awesome. So, yeah, let's do the pruning this afternoon and this weekend. We'll get it done. Thanks for calling, Tim. We got uh, in the next half hour, Wes in Tiger, Georgia, wants to know the advice on a vine to put on his fence. So we'll get to Wes in just a minute. Right now, our phone number is 404-872-0750. We'll be back after news. It ain't what they call rock and roll. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 7.35 on a Saturday morning. It's 33, well, 32 and a half degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in your landscape. If you need to know what to do and when to do and how to do it, 404-872-0750. Wes is out in Tiger, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Wes, good morning. Good morning, Walter. I have a question. It's a pretty tough one, but over the years, uh, you've always come through. 
I'm uh, managing property for deer, trying yeah. to attract them, not repel them. Okay. And uh, I built a property boundary fence, mostly to keep uh, poachers off of it. And I would like to grow a vine on that. And mm-hmm. I don't care what it looks like, how thorny <laughs> it is, if it can stay evergreen, that's great. I have uh, it's backed off from the property line about three foot. I can walk it, keep it from spreading if I need to. Don't care if it grows thorns, briars, and if deer eat it, that's a plus. And is but it I, in sun or shade, or what's the environment? Okay, it's in a North Hollow in Raven County. It, uh, it gets two, th- three-fourths of a day sun. Three-fourths. Uh, hmm. A good bit of sun. Hmm... I mean, it sounds to me like nature is going to provide here because nature looks for things like this fence. And I'm thinking honeysuckle is probably going to grow there whether you like it or not. Ooh, um, I hadn't thought of honeysuckle. That'd be great. Briars, you know, the various brambles, the wild blackberries that grow in the woods would probably grow nicely on this fence and um, cover it up, make it green. And thorns would keep the poachers away and the deer eat a little bit of blackberries here and there. So they might eat a little bit of that. But I'm not sure that I'm going to tell you to go spend money on a particular vine. This fence is long, 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 and so there's really no need to spend two or three hundred dollars on vines when it's going to happen anyway, no matter what you do. Then the honeysuckle seems to me the first thing that's going to do it. I'm not recommending that everybody go out and plant honeysuckle. I'm just saying it's the most common thing to grow up a fence in the woods. Well, I hadn't really thought of that. I do have honeysuckle in some of uh, where I pile brush under power lines. Yeah. And, uh, listen to your advice over the years and I throw some, you know, I actually fertilize those brush piles so the honeysuckle will bloom. But, yeah, that's probably as good as anything. Yeah, and, and we've been talking about working with and against Mother Nature today. In this case, even though honeysuckle is a non-native invasive plant, in this case, honeysuckle is what's going to grow there, and you've got it all around anyway. I think that's where we go. Honeysuckle. Yeah, that'll work. Thank you, Walter. All right, Wes. Good luck. Ah. Jack joins us. Jack's out in uh, Dawsonville, or up, I should say, in Dawsonville. Hey, Jack, good morning. Uh, good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm all right. What's going on? Good. Uh, about 26 years ago, I put in some blueberry bushes at my last house that grew to be about, uh, I want to say, five to six feet tall and maybe about as round and produced a lot of blueberries. Uh, when we moved, we put some new blueberry bushes in, and I'm not sure of the brand, Yeah. but these are about three foot or about probably two feet tall and all they are is really good bird feeders bird seems to get all the yeah. all of the blueberries before we do and i'm trying to get some direction on what's a um, what's a good blueberry bush to put in what are you going to do to keep the birds away uh nothing then why are we put a blueberry bush in there where the birds are going to yeah. eat all your blueberries we want to produce more blueberries than the birds can eat uh, good luck with that <laughs> <laughs> You know, the only thing that I found that works, and I did this last year for the first time, and was very pleased with it, I made a PVC pipe cage with bird netting over it, over the blueberry plants. Okay. Couldn't get in, got the blueberries off of it. We were eating little little handfuls of blueberries even in the fall, when the birds, by right, should have gotten every one of them off of it months okay, earlier. but. This. They have the same timing we do. They know when they're ripe. Oh, they got better timing than you do because they get there before you do in the morning, and everyone that looks like it's going to be ripe during the day, they'll eat. And then you come out and say, oh, man, where are all these, what are all these sour blueberries that I've got on my blueberry bush? 
That's it. Um, if you want some recommendations of ones to plant with the caveat that you need to protect them with the PVC and the bird netting, I used to pronounce this Oclockney, but a guy said, no, that's really Oclockney. So the Oclockney blueberry is one that's really prolific and makes nice, big, good-sized blueberries. So Oclockney is one to look for. Um, to be truthful, the better way to get these, rather than going to a nursery, the local you know, little garden center there in Dawsonville, is to go online, or you can go to my website and just type blueberry in. It has a list of the good ones that are uh, out there. There's Oklahoma, there's Triumph, there's uh, that new one that Scott just introduced last year, whose name I can't remember, but there's two or three very new University of Georgia improved, you know, superior varieties of blueberry. And if you're going to go to the trouble of planting and you're going to go to the trouble of making the bird netting, then you might as well get a nice blueberry to enjoy. So sure. go to that's my website, you get website. the whole list. Say it again. That's all on your website? I can get yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Just go to WalterReeves.com, type in blueberry, and the first page or two is going to be improved varieties or varieties for Georgia or something like that. Perfect. Well, thank you very much. All right. Good luck with it. Take some blueberries and keep the birds, keep the birds away. Have a great day. You Bye-bye. bet, Jack. Thanks for calling. Doug's with us. Doug comes from McDonough, Georgia, down in Henry County, and here he is on the air. Doug, hey, good morning. Hey, Walter. Enjoy your program. Thank you. I have a couple of uh, pine uh, islands uh, in, my, uh, in my yard, and I try to keep it neat. I try to keep the pine cones up. But I've got um, these onion sprouts coming yeah. up everywhere, and I like it. Uh, well, in, in the past, I would get on my knees and go around and just pull them, off, pull them <laughs> up, but my knees aren't what they used to be. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I like the grabber that I use to pick up the pine cones. Is there any kind of an instrument that would, like, poke in the ground where I could uh, stand up and just go around and pick and get them up? Or what's the best way to deal with onion, uh, onion sprouts? There is an instrument. An instrument, a tool, a thing that works nicely, I think, for onions and anything when you want to dig the whole root of a plant out of the ground. And I call it my water weeder, but I'm sure it has another name for it. It's a water-powered weeder. And I have a link to it. It's sold by only one place that I've ever found. It's the A.M. Leonard Company, which supplies a lot of garden and greenhouse tool type stuff. It connects to your garden hose. It's a little long three-foot has an extension, so it can go down to three feet high, which keeps you standing up as you poke it in the ground and turn on the water. And it liquefies the soil around the roots of the onions, which means you bend down once and pick up a whole clump, a whole clump of these onions just right out of the ground. It's a great way to do it. And the water weeder, or the water-powered weeder, whatever you want to call it, you can find the link. Again, I keep referring people because I write this stuff down because I can't remember myself what is the right website to refer you to. The word funky, F-U-N-K-Y, at my website takes you to the page. It has all the cool tools and funky fertilizers that I've been given to evaluate. And about halfway down the page, you'll see the water weeder. Perfect. That sounds good. I'll be sure and look it up. Yeah. And if uh, there are other people out there who want to deal with onions in a chemical way, and if you decide that's the way you want to go, there's a uh, product, the, um, what's it called? The Nutgrass Control product, the uh, image, image for nutgrass. That's what it is. An image for nutgrass, if you read the label carefully, it says also controls onions as long as you put it out in the spring as the onion is growing rapidly, which is right now. Yeah. So if you wanted to use the image for nutgrass, you could do that too, Doug. Great. Okay. Thank you very much. All right, man. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Bye.
404 is the number. And don't forget, by seeing soon, I have an invitation. Anybody who wants to come and see me live, the first um, appearance, I guess we'd say, of the spring is going to be at the North Atlanta Home Show. And that'll be February the 10th and 11th, if I'm not sure, coming up in the next uh, week or two. We'll have a live broadcast that Saturday morning. You can come and see me and get into the Home Show for free as long as you know that we're at the reliable stage and you say the password of reliable when you come in. If you get there before 9 a.m. on Saturday morning, say the password reliable, you get to come watch the radio show. And then when the show opens at 10, there'll be an hour to watch Dave Baker do the Home Fix-It show. And you'll get to see me do the radio show and ask questions during the breaks, and we'll have a little bit of fun and then get into the Home Show for free. Get details, you can go to atlantahomeshow.com or you can go to my website, Where's Walter? Click on that and see what, what's going on. We've got Donnie in Dallas, Georgia with us. Hey, Donnie, good morning. Good morning, hey. Walter. Um, I got a question for you on yeah. pruning an apple tree. My wife bought two of them last April uh, at Walmart. They had them on sale for $2 a tree. <laughs> that was they a were deal. About, they were about four, four and a half feet tall. Yeah. Uh, I planted it in when she got it because I knew it's starting of the season. Um Told her, didn't know if it would do anything or not. It ended up producing two apples. Man, for, that's great. Um, that year. My question is, I want to prune it back, and I don't want it to get to where it's, you know, feet tall or whatever, where you can't, I can't contain it or control right. it. Uh, what's the optimum height to keep it pruned at, and what size should I use the pencil method on pruning <sighs> the limbs on it now? It grew up, it's, it's, it grew up to be about seven foot tall right now yeah uh, you, you know that would be about picking size i might let it go as much as 10 feet tall because the limbs tend to droop a little bit on apples so even at 10 feet tall you're going to be able to reach most of the apples on the tree so in a sense you're working against what probably mother nature wants very likely this is one of the apples that gets to 20 feet tall but we're going to bonsai just a little bit by reducing the height and doing a yearly pruning on it in the wintertime. Right now, it would be a great time to do the pruning. And all you're really trying to do is make probably, let me think, one, two, maybe three what I call whirls of branches. In other words, at about the three-foot level, your first level of branches that come off the trunk, that's one whirl. And then you go up about two or three feet maybe and allow another whirl of branches to come out around evenly spaced around the trunk and then at about nine or ten feet another whirl uh, get three or four branches coming out from the trunk and as long as you maintain that don't let the water sprouts take over because that's going to be your biggest thing to take out every winter is those little pencil thin vertical water sprouts that want to go up to the sky and they don't make many apples on them there's no reason to keep them on the tree let the growth go out to the ends of the branches where the apples are formed so the pruning today, go out and examine the tree, walk around it a couple of times to see what you think, and try to maintain a central trunk and whirls at uh, three feet, six feet, and nine feet. And uh, then every spring, go back there and take the water sprouts out, and you should have nice apples. All right, so there's no certain size to cut the limbs back to, because, you know, I have this little small, I don't know, pencil lead size little sprouts on it uh, still from where before. Yeah, if they are vertical, um, they come out. If they're going straight to the sky, they all come out. But the ones that are going okay. horizontal, they're the ones you can keep. Even there are some apple producers who use um, string and little weights, and they'll put them on the tips of branches that are vertical to bend them over and make them go horizontal. So if you see a vertical branch in a place, you think, man, 
I need a little horizontal branch right there. You can actually weight them down. There are spreaders, they're called, that you put between the trunk and the limb to spread them out, make them go down horizontal. There are weights, as I said, that you can do as well. But as long as you emphasize horizontal branching and keep the top from getting too big with the water sprouts, then you should have some apples on it. Thanks for calling there, Dinah. we got to go. It is 748. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slate, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. Weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, the high goes up to 50. Tomorrow, the high goes up to 49. Not much change between Saturday and Sunday. The low overnight right around freezing, 30, 31 degrees both days. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Scott. Scott's up in Winder and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Scott. Good morning. Good morning, Walt. I had purchased some young, very immature Macrophilia hydrangeas right. in the past fall, yeah, and they're leafing out. Mm-hmm. Would such a young plant be in danger of not just having the leaves burned off, but potentially killing that young plant? Probably not. <laughs> I'm hedging my bets just a little bit here, Scott. Thinking to myself that my ha- my hydrangeas have the little bitty green buds on them too, and mine though are. 20 years old, I guess, now. And so I'm not worried that they're going to be frozen to death. I am worried that if we got a real real cold snap of down into the low teens, yeah, those leaves are coming, they'll be frozen right off. So I guess my answer is I don't think the young ones will be harmed any more than the mature ones would. But if there's any going to be harmed, it would be the young ones. So maybe some cardboard boxes you can take out and put over the top of the of the hydrangeas would not be a, a bad thing to to store up for anticipated little bit of cold weather. So realistically, between now and April, I really need to protect these things during the cold nights. During the real cold nights. Now down to 25 degrees, no big deal at all. But if it gets down into the 19 to 15, somewhere in there, then Scott needs to be out doing something to protect those little tender babies. That's music to my ears. Thank you, Paul. <laughs> and the good thing is, these are little plants, Scott, so it's not like you have to get great big cardboard boxes. These are only you know, medium-sized. You can get boxes from the liquor store pretty easily to put over the top. Sounds like a plan. Thanks, Walt. All right. Thanks for calling, man. By the way, 404-872-0750 is the number, and I will go ahead and preempt the question that many people have called, and we've answered them off the air, and we'll answer it right now. Is it time to put out a pre-emergent? The answer is no. We wait for the pre-emergent until around the last week of February, first week or two in March, maybe, because that's when the ground temperature and the air temperature will be consistently warming up. Right now, in late January, we're certainly going to have some cold weather that will kill anything that germinates more than it should right now. And so wherever you are, if you have a pre-emergent on your hands, don't put it out until, I think, the last part of February or the early part of March. You'll be better off that way. It's 7.58. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. You fall, you fall alone.